1: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 133 being recorded on Monday, May 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek
0: Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. This is one of those unusual times when we're actually recording back-to-back shows and publishing them simultaneously. That's because we had previously planned to put out our... NPD Idea Show Recap, uh, which you should be able to find right there in your favorite podcast listener device slash slash technology. Um, And then uh, the universe threw us curveball. There was a big announcement after the market today. And that announcement was that Adobe is acquiring Magento Commerce for $1.68 billion. That's billion with a B. It was to Disclosed as part of the deal that last year Magento's revenues were 150000000 million. I've already seen some analyst notes that are saying they would expect that to be about $180 million this year. So it's about a 20% growth rate. That's an 11% multiple, which is pretty awesome for Magento uh, and also Adobe's largest deal in over a decade. So what we're going to do here is a pretty short show uh, because it is very timely and just kind of get share some background on these two companies and their aspirations uh, and some of the things that have happened to them before. Uh, and then Jason as our resident E-commerce platform guru. I'm gonna uh, send him some lightning round, rapid-fire questions to kind of get some analysis for what this means for both Adobe, Magento, and then some of the other uh, folks out there. Uh, so we're gonna kick it off with a brief history of Magento, uh, and I'll cover that, and then Jason will run you, run us through uh, Adobe's uh, e-commerce history. So Magento was born in two thousand seven. It's an open source project, which means you have this collaboration of people uh that got together and uh there was a commercial company um and uh Roy Rubin and Yov Kuttner. is that how you say it, Yov? I actually don't know. I've met I Roy, think but I never Yov. met
1: Yov, so I'm gonna assume that's you got it right.
0: Yeah, yeah if he's listening he can uh, he can write in and, uh, with a better phonetic way of saying his name <laughs> uh, they released this and what they were planning on doing was taking um, a uh, you know a previously open source thing and making improvements but they did so much changes they came up with a whole new offering uh, and so that started as a community project and then they monetized it through an enterprise offering that initially just had some support and then later on had kind of a different feature set than the community offering uh, Bob Schwartz joined in 2009 he's a guy uh, that i think pretty much everyone in the world of e-commerce has met several times he's still out and about a uh, great guy has an enterprise software background really ramped him up and side note 2000- is a
1: jason and scott show listener as well so shout out to bob and bob used to run e-commerce at nordstrom
0: Hey, Bob, hope you had still had some options in here somewhere. I'm not sure that's possible, but hopefully you did. Uh, He uh, so then um, they sold Magento to eBay for one hundred and eighty million dollars, which was a great exit because Magento didn't raise a ton of capital. My recollection is maybe 20 to 30 million. So compared to today's companies, you know, kind of a six X to money raised. Um, So that was a good exit. And by the way, Um, I think a bunch of
1: that raise was from eBay.
0: Yeah, yeah, eBay was an investor um, through the PayPal side, but they were a combined company at that point. Uh, and as part of that deal, they got PayPal integrated with Magento. That was kind of what they were after there. Uh, so 2011, eBay acquired the whole entity uh, and owned it until 2015. Uh, eBay had bought uh, both GSI and Magento and then split them out in 2015 along with the PayPal split. So eBay sold the Magento asset to a private equity firm called Per Mira, and that was for about 200 million. So kind of a sideways kind of a deal. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I've, I've heard Magento kind of went sideways while it was in the in the eBay ownership. Uh, several of the key people left, and just a lot of different things went on. Um, then, uh, once it was freed from eBay uh, in 2017, the private equity firm raised an additional 250 million from a large Chinese investor called Hill House Capital. And um, we actually had the CEO, uh, Mark Lavelle, here on episode 50 of the Jason and Scott show. So that was uh, exciting to have him on. Uh, side note, we do have a 10% finder's fee. So when there's an exit uh, we, and you've been on the show, we, we would like a 10% finder's fee. It's just a small – think of it as like an affiliate fee. Just a very small thank you to the podcast team that, that got you that exit. Um it's hard to nail down uh, exactly how big Magento is because – unlike a SaaS platform, uh, you know when they're publishing the source code out there, they know how many people are licensing the enterprise version. They don't really know how many people are using the um, community edition. There are companies that spider the web, and they'll kind of show, tell you there's this many websites, but then they don't know how big they are from a sales perspective. So it, it's hard to know how many active users there are of Magento. I've seen kind of numbers in the 300,000 range for both community and enterprise. I think enterprise is in the the low thousands. So like one, two, three thousand, Um, and that is a brief history of Magenta.
1: Yeah. And, uh, just one other side note on how hard it is to know what size they are. Like also because it's a, it, it can be a one-time license or, or download a free version. Like you don't know whether someone that, that got your software is still using your software a year later. And so there's actually a lot of sort of Orphan sites out there that might still be turned on but aren't actively selling stuff that are running, running Magento. So it, it makes it even harder to know how many, how many active sites you know with meaningful volume are on, on the platform.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times you'll see this announcement, you know, like uh, I forget, I think it was a Pottery barn. Pottery Barn's using Magento, and you're like, "Oh my God, that's a huge win." And then you dig around and you look around and then you find it's like the kids' furniture couch category in Australia. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so it's really tricky. You know, these these things can pretty seamlessly be integrated with each other, and and you'll find a lot of times um, I see Magento used by larger players as a cross border trade kind of a thing, um, and increasingly that's going over to different platforms like Shopify because just the the ease of use of spinning those up is a lot lower than than the on the the SaaS guys can spin up a new store pretty quickly compared to the open source guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh it it Magento, for some smaller brands, it's their primary platform, but for many bigger brands, it's a uh a, a utility platform that's used for particular use cases and and other you know smaller markets would definitely be one of those. Uh I, you know, side note, it's mainly an on-prem solution, but there have been a couple efforts over the history of Magento to sell it as SaaS. So I think even during the eBay era or maybe right after the eBay era, there was this product Magento Go. Um, mm-hmm. that was, you know, sort of intended to be a a low end SaaS solution that might have competed more directly with what what now is Shopify. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's it's a mix of of implementation patterns for for Magento. Um, and as we talked about with Mark Lavelle, the bulk of users are on this first generation platform that that Roy and Yoav put together, Magento One. Uh, when Mark was on the show, they had just released a major. Uh, rearchitecture of Magento that's called Magento Two, um, but you know obviously a, a significant number of those those small clients ha- did not immediately move over to to Magento Two, and so you know there's when you're talking about the Magento installed base, like you know one of the questions that you're, you you want to know is like what percentage of the of the users are even on the the current um, you know the newest iteration of the platform, if you will.
0: Uh, yeah. So then, why would Adobe care about this? They how does it tie in with Photoshop? Yeah. So
1: Adobe has a very popular product that we are all familiar with called the Adobe Creative Suite, which is like uh, Photoshop and and Premiere and the the audio editing software we use for this podcast called Ad, uh, Edition. Um, but they have another um, suite of products that they uh, call the Adobe Experience Cloud. Um, and this is a suite of sort of enterprise products that are used to to host a lot of commercial websites. So the um, to my way of thinking, the the sort of cornerstone of the experience cloud is uh, a Adobe AEM, which is their big CMS. I think it's the most popular, most successful CMS in the world. It hosts tons of big uh, brand websites like Mercedes Benz and all these different. Uh, brands that, you know, have non-transactional websites um, would use a, Adobe AEM. It's a, a hosted SaaS solution for for those kinds of um, uh, use cases. You uh, you actually can also buy an on, on-prem version of AEM still. Uh, but then there's a bunch of other a, uh, pieces of the experience cloud that are pure SaaS. And so uh, the one that comes up the most often in the commerce world is a uh, uh, a product they bought a number of years ago called um, Omniture, which is a web analytics platform that competes with like Google Analytics. Um, that's been uh, rebranded Adobe Analytics over the years. Uh, and it's a very popular uh, uh, e-commerce analytics suite that's used by a lot of commercial websites. We've had Tamara on a number of times sharing some of the data from from that platform. Uh, And they have a bunch of other e-commerce tools that they bought. Uh, AEM was originally uh, from a company called Day Software. Um, They bought an image technology called Scene7 that that a lot of websites use to resize images on the fly for different sites. Um, They now have uh, uh, other marketing tools like a a DMP, a campaign manager, uh, and uh, and sort of a next-generation ESP personalization engine. Uh, They have an A-B testing uh, platform that used to be called uh, Adobe Test and Target. Um, And so they've... They've sort of, in the same way that they put together all of their, their creative software for end users together, they've they've put this whole suite of enterprise packages together that are used by big companies to host websites. And the one big glaring hole in that suite is an increasing number of those, those uh, companies that are relying on the Adobe Experience stack to create their web experience want to sell stuff online. And Adobe did not have an e-commerce platform. So, you know, what Adobe historically has had is a integration framework to let you use the Adobe experience suite alongside someone else's e-commerce platform like IBM, Oracle, SAP, or uh, a Magento, Elastopath, and I think Digital River are the big ones. Um, so for a long time, we've suspected that Adobe did want to own a platform uh, you know, obviously I mentioned IBM has, has, uh, their, their big platform and they're trying to grow out a full marketing suite to compete with the Adobe experience platform. Uh, Oracle, ha- you know, bought, um, an, uh, a number of companies and has put together a marketing suite that competes with Adobe and Oracle owns, uh, several e-commerce platforms. But I think the the one we think of most for e-commerce is used to be called ATG, um, and then uh, back in 2013, SAP bought Hybris. Uh, a lot of people were using Hybris and Adobe together at that time. And there were, you know, there were rumors that Adobe was one of the the bidders on Hybris and lost out to SAP in 2013. I'm not sure the deal size was disclosed, but like all the estimates were over a billion dollars back then. Um, then we know in June of 2016, uh, like the most successful um, SaaS-based, you know, B2B cloud out there, Salesforce.com bought Demandware. And I think that was $2.8 billion. Um, and I think it was fully disclosed that Adobe was one of the bidders uh, for Demandware. And so we've seen Adobe out there trying to acquire a commerce platform. Uh, and seems like today's the day they got it done.
0: Cool. So that gives us the background. Uh, let's do kind of a little lightning around here. Um, what's this mean for Adobe? So they've got this content piece. They've got this experience cloud. Why, uh, you know, ex- why does Adobe need an e-commerce platform?
1: Yeah. So uh, again, like most of the brands that are hosting websites on AEM and that are tracking analytics on on Adobe Analytics. Uh, either already are selling goods or want to sell goods. And so historically Adobe's had to partner with someone that provided an e-commerce platform and the functionality of that e-commerce platform competed with the functionality of the Adobe experience cloud. So Adobe would want you to save the data in the experience, the customer data in the experience cloud. And IBM would want you to save the customer data in, uh, in WebSphere commerce and promotion engines and all these different things. And so, uh, now Adobe has a, uh, you know, the potential to have a seamless solution that allows all these brands that are hosting websites on AEM to sell goods. And, you know, they, they can have a very homogeneous, uh, solution that shares data across all these, these different pieces of the solution.
0: Got it. And then, so most of the Magento customers are kind of SMEs, so small, medium-sized enterprises. Uh, It sounds like the Adobe customers are trying to make transactional. You mentioned Mercedes-Benz. That's obviously, you know, a very large company. Probably, I don't know how big this Adobe content management thing is, but it's probably pretty expensive. So it feels like Adobe is going to want to take Magento up market. Does that, is that going to create a problem for existing Magento users?
1: Potentially, right? So on paper, this is not a perfect matchup, right? It's a well-known popular e-commerce platform and a well-known popular um, experience platform. So that, you know, at that superficial level, it makes sense. Um, But the... Right below that, you, you're exactly right. Like the the bulk of the Magento customers are long tail SMBs, or you know, mid market at best. And the the core Adobe customer is an enterprise client. You know, they they likely spent several million dollars on their implementation of the rest of the the uh, I, the Adobe Experience Cloud. Um, Adobe is a pure SaaS solution. You know, at the moment, you know most of the Magento stuff is not SaaS. Uh, the Adobe stack is mostly based on Java. Uh, the Magento stack is based on on uh, Lamp or PHP. Um, so, like there, there are definitely going to be some some challenges. Like I, you know, it's super early. I haven't seen Adobe come out with a message yet, but hopefully, in the in the next you know uh, several days, they should really put out a message to put the Magento customer base at ease. Because if I was a Magento customer, I might be nervous that Adobe is going to move them up market, going to want to move it to a SaaS solution. Um, And a lot of, you know, small businesses pick Magento because they could own it. They could, you know, customize it and have access to the code themselves and they could host it themselves. And so, you know, I think on the one hand, I'm sure those customers are excited that there's some deeper pockets and, you know, potential for bigger investments to kind of accelerate the Magento roadmap. Um, But you could also imagine that that Adobe is going to shift the Magento roadmap in a way that isn't particularly advantageous to a lot of those SMBs.
0: Cool. So uh, another domino has fallen, or, or I like the musical chair metaphor. So so now we've got, you know, the this kind of the marriage here between Magento and Adobe. Uh, one of the companies that's kind of always mentioned that doesn't have an e-commerce platform now on the large software cloud side um, is Microsoft. You could make a stretch and say Google doesn't really have one. You could even stretch and say Amazon doesn't have one, but but Amazon was in that business and kind of got out of it. I think you know they they've pretty squarely believe the the marketplace is kind of the the future there. Um, and I guess eBay doesn't have one, but they've owned one and, and didn't really digest it very well. So so you know that that's one side of the equation. Then you have Shopify and Big Commerce. Shopify is a public company with about a twenty billion market cap. Uh, that's a really big bite for someone to take there, um, and then Big Commerce is private, but they've raised three or four hundred million, so that's going to be probably a bigger lift than e- even Magento. What what do you think is the next domino to topple in in this platform world?
1: Yeah, I I don't know that there's going to be an immediate counter reaction here. Um, so the the other, you know, the enterprise company that you mentioned that has a lot of the other elements of a quote unquote marketing cloud, like you can really think of uh, SAP, IBM, Oracle, Salesforce.com, and now Adobe really competing for the same core uh, enterprise customer, right? And, and so they all, you know, need complete offerings to, to compete with each other. Uh, the, the other company that competes with an awful lot of those stacks is Microsoft. And so, you know, you, on the one hand, you'd say, Hey, they would be a really interesting acquirer. Now, Microsoft at the moment doesn't have a CMS or a uh, e-commerce suite, but they do have a very robust ERP system. Uh, Microsoft Dynamics that includes a, a CRM that competes with Salesforce.com. Uh, they, of course, have the, the web hosting services through Azure. Um, so you, On the one hand, you could imagine Microsoft wanting to more directly compete with IBM, Oracle, SAP, and Salesforce and Adobe. Um, But on the other hand, uh, Adobe actually, I think, is moving most of their SaaS hosting services to Azure. And there are actually several uh, CMSs, I know uh, Sitecore and EpiServer, um, that already run on the Microsoft stack. So there's a a counter argument that, that Microsoft is doing well by supporting multiple players and that you know if they were to acquire a single cms and a single commerce platform um that they would potentially alienate some other partners so i you know i don't know whether the calculus is there for microsoft to acquire and i would say microsoft in the distant past did own a commerce platform and didn't do very well with it it's actually it changed hands a number of times and is i think now uh, uh, part of the sitecore solution um so, you know, maybe they, they uh, you know, are a little tainted from their their previous uh, unsuccessful commerce ownership that they don't make that play again. Um, there are a bunch of smaller commerce platforms that don't have the kind of traction that Magento has from a customer base, but are much more or uh, arguably more modern architectures. There's folks like uh, Commerce Tools and Symphony Commerce, uh, Mazoo. Um, there's a, you know, a host of these other, you know, Companies that probably hoped to be acquired but never, you know, don't have the customer base yet that that Magento does. Um, So will they continue to go out alone? Is it is it going to be harder for them in this world where you know their competitors are owned by these big deep pockets? That's going to be interesting play. And a dark horse to buy a commerce platform to me would be some of these social networks. So could you imagine Facebook? buying a commerce platform either to make available to their, their customers or to enable better commerce functionality in their ecosystem. Could you imagine Pinterest, um, or, you know, um, uh, Instagram or or Snapchat, you know, having more robust commerce features to integrate into their platform would be another potential play. Like there's some problems with that, but, but, you know, those would be guys that you might, you might see sniffing the tires on some of these these e commerce platforms.
0: Sniffing the tires? I never heard that. Usually you 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 sniff around pick the or tires, you pick the
1: tires out. or sniff around. Yeah, uh, I, I'm yeah. The ma- I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but this is the second show we've recorded in a where, in, in a row. So I'm uh, I'm mixing some metaphors. Sorry,
0: we're, we're gonna we're gonna stick to that one. That's gonna be a yeah. good one.
1: I'm not the brightest Any... bulb in the in the night. Oh wait. <laughs>
0: any, any last thoughts on the platform, um, uh, you know, wars as it were, uh, before we close out.
1: No, I, uh, so, I mean, from my perspective, I, uh, I'm excited. We're a big Adobe partner, I should say. Um, and I'm excited to see them making a bigger investment in commerce. So that is exciting. It, again, I don't think Magento is a plug and play panacea for Adobe. And so it's going to be interesting. Um, Adobe has done a really good job of integrating all their other acquisitions, but they, they were not in a particular hurry to do it. They took a long time. Um, and slowly evolved all these acquisitions into this, this more ho- homogeneous cloud. So, you know, are they going to do the same slow play with Magento? That would be good for the existing Magento users, but it would take a long time for Adobe to get value out of this acquisition. Or, you know, will they do something on a more accelerated pace to build Magento into the kind of uh, enterprise uh, solution that fits the rest of the Adobe stack? Like, I'm, I'm going to be really... Eager to follow that, and I would argue that we're still having those same conversations around demandware and Salesforce, and that like Salesforce was predominantly a B two B play, demandware you know excelled at B two C and wasn't very good at B two B. You know they were not on the on the same uh, stack, and so you know along the, while we're watching Adobe and and uh, Magento figure out their integration plan, I think we're still closely watching the the demandware which is now called Salesforce Commerce Cloud um and Salesforce integration play out. And then I think we mentioned this this is maybe a couple of weeks old news, but uh uh Salesforce actually bought another commerce platform called Commerce uh Cloud Craze that uh is a pure B2B e-commerce platform that was actually built on top of the the Salesforce stack. So so Salesforce is continuing to evolve their their commerce strategy um, in some really interesting ways as well. So this, like, we've kind of been static in the commerce platform wars for a little while. And this is, you know, uh, this, this month we're seeing some pretty exciting disruptions. So I'm, I'm eager to see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah. Who knows? Maybe SAP and Oracle decide they can always use one more platform. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do, you know, I
1: like clearly these platforms are all have a significant amount of volume through it. And you know, a lot of the legacy sites are on them. I think it's an open question whether these, any of these legacy platforms are the future of the business. Like there's, there's an argument that we're the, the, the most recent trend is I'll call it unplatforming is actually moving off of these like shrink wrap, full featured e-commerce platforms and moving to a lighter weight set of, um, uh, APIs and microservices, um, you know, you talk to a lot of CIOs, and that's the 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 kind of um, stack that they're more interested in. But we don't have a ton of great examples of big retailers like embracing that model just yet. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if um, any of these big legacy platforms kind of transform in that direction, or whether they they continue to win out against that those newer architectures, or whether some of these up and coming architectures can can uh, kind of disrupt the market. Um, But that's a great place to leave the quick hit because I know we wanted to uh, get a a short, quick read out for our listeners. And as things evolve, we'll, we'll, you know... Potentially do a deeper dive on some of these platforms down the road. Um, but if you have any questions about the platforms or would like to discuss this in more length, we'd certainly encourage you to jump over to our Facebook page and uh, post a question and we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, as always, if you found any value in this hot take, we would love it if you jump over to iTunes and uh, give
0: us a, a five-star review. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And remember, if you're going to sniff the tires, make sure the car's not running. And while you're doing that, have a happy commerce. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing. Subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.